I've been to the Everglades, okay? I didn't see any monkeys there. It's January 26, 2022. This is Rare Encounter, encounter number 82. And injecting the NFT apes straight into my brain, I'm Abel Kirby. And slutily eating burritos, I'm Dame Cold Acid. I'm Tom Starkweather, coming hey. to you from Queens, New York. Yay! And we got a and already he's regretting being on our show. Yes, <sighs> immediately. That's how it is around here. And speaking of things you immediately regret, I brought uh, not something from Queens. Well, actually, wait a minute. Uh, I need to check my geography. Where is this made? I got a Long Island iced tea, but I don't think it's actually made there, so we'll see. <laughs> it's one of these pre-mixed cocktails. And I was looking at it right before the show. It says it's 12%, so uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, My drink's I'd... from south of the border again. It mm. sounds like a light Long Island iced tea if it's only 12%. Yeah, I know. I've seen a mix pretty good. I mean, there was a bar that used to do it, and they they didn't have all of the right materials, so you got like a Long Island. I forget what parts they were missing, but there was uh, certain certain things they just didn't have in stock, and so what they do is just fill up more of the other alcohol <laughs> and, huh. uh, you know, make up for it, you know? I'm drinking a beer from Long Island right now, uh-huh. a Montauk Pilsner. I'm finishing it off, but I my my feature beer that I wanted to promo was... The uh, Morbid Hour by KCBC. Yes. I was so very peripherally involved in the production of that. And I saw your video you sent me right before the show. Uh, was mm-hmm. with the Morbid Hour pouring the, uh, pouring the beer into the... They make it around the winter solstice every year. And uh, the, the guy that started the show, Six Most Metal Breweries, if you want to find out more about it, uh, he, he buys me a, um, a whole whole pack of it and then i just make some kind of video or something he can use to promote the project oh and you do the music for that i for that one i did the music uh it's kind of a live uh i gotta i got a clip if you mind if i play it or not do you mind if i i'll put it in the background okay this is the song right yeah. Yeah. That's a cool video. Um, I put it in my show notes. We got a picture, uh, I think, of your hands. Uh, I added it right before uh, working the synthesizer. It's cool stuff. Thanks. I like that's, the... Uh, let me make it's that. not my, that's not my finest. I, I got very involved in the actual video production of that. And mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're shooting something, you're doing it... Your attention gets, uh, you know, expanded between a lot of things. You know, I didn't realize it was an ad or a promotional kind of thing. I thought that was just a video you did, and I was going to make fun of you for it. <laughs> well, no, you really no, got the beer pour on point, man. You really got that food right ready to go. It's, you know, it looks like it, I was going to say it looks like it's yes. staged for a commercial, but it turns it, out it was. It in fact, is, yes. <laughs> oh, well, damn. It's just... Uh, the, the other stuff you sent me is pretty striking with the, I think it was from 2011, with mm-hmm. just the films of lights. Oh, okay, so I did Lincoln. that with my, my friend Mark, uh, and we have a band called Blazing Galaxies, and we've done scores for a, a feature-length film. You can find it on Spotify, just uh, for Blazing Galaxies. It's the only thing we have on there. And this was from way back... 
Uh, and I, right when I was starting uh, experimenting with the light organ. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the light? I have a heavy organ, but uh, <laughs> what's, a, what's a light organ? <laughs> I, also have uh, a, I also have a patch called a nasty organ, so I have one of those, too. I have a few of them. Oh, my. But, uh, the best one I got was from Canakit, and I, you just had to build a housing for it. And what it does is it takes an audio signal and... It has three outputs for electric, and you can um, adjust the voltage for it, and they're split like uh, low, mid, and high frequency. So you can have a series of lights just for your, your bass tones and oh. you know, a series of lights for the, the high ones. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot more devices nowadays that just have this very like lazy automated one kind of built in and the light goes with uh, the beat or the yeah. volume. I've got some par lights, some cheapo par lights that do that. Like uh, you set them up in a certain mode and there's a little microphone and every time it, it hears something, it'll cycle to the next random color. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's not far off from uh, my father used to DJ uh, back in New Hampshire, you know, and he, they would build their own equipment. And he was talking about they did the exact same thing back then where they had, oh, yeah, we had to design a circuit where whenever the bass would hit, you know, it would go through a filter and mm-hmm. detect it. And then it would change the lights. It would make the lights blink. Yeah. And it was the coolest thing they did back in, I don't know, the 60s or 70s. I don't know when they were doing it. Well, we've come a long way from clap on, clap off. Yeah, we have. Uh, but was it all progress? You know, it couldn't all have been good. We did a, a lot of things happen. You know, they can't all I be think good. we've regressed in, in uh, many ways. <laughs> oh, man. That's cool cool stuff, though. I love the synths. I, I knew that you had uh, some musical talent, but I didn't know that you were actually doing this, you know, actually patching these little oscillators together. I didn't realize that's how you're making your music. I, and I'm very much uh, a novice with the actual synthesizers. It's something I, I took on the last year. I kind of avoided it for a while or, <laughs> or used uh, virtual instruments. But I've been kind of working it in for my end of show mixes. So I'm, I'm not relying on the, these virtual instruments or any samples. It's it's just what I'm making. Yeah, uh, that's great. I'm a, I'm a sample baby. Every I do. Uh, guitars are always real. Uh, vocals are always real, obviously, but then when it comes to drums or any weird instrument, if I can't record it in this room I'm in now, if I can't record it in a bedroom, then uh, then it's probably sampled. What do you What do you do for drums? That's sampled. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? Yeah. Uh, I I don't promote it on the show enough, but I did an album with uh, Sir Spencer. We did Abel and the Wolf, and he played all the drums on that. Um, but they are sampled, and he brought it up on Bowl After Bowl with. Uh, uh, they were doing bowls with buds with Illuminatia, and mm-hmm. uh, the he brings up you know the electric drum kit and, and how he produced them and oh yeah I, I did I followed a link he posted about that it looks like a really nice setup yeah it's a uh, I've actually never seen it uh, but what he would do is re- play the drums through there record it into on his computer and then he'd send me the MIDI data and then I'd have to huh. do a number of things because sometimes when he hits a, a a certain drum pad on his machine. Well, it triggers a note, but that might not be mapped to the right thing inside the, right, the sample right. kit. So there's that. There's pre-processing. What um, were you guys working in? Reaper. 
Okay, nice. Yeah. Every, everyone keeps telling me to use that to, these days, especially for voiceover work too. I guess they they've got get some good stuff for that. That's uh, absolutely great. Um, and uh, you know, it has the built-in automation too. If you like to tinker, like that's how the stomper works. Uh, mm. Little behind the scenes on Rare Encounter is I have a pedal, and when you push it, then it you know it, it goes through a MIDI trigger and runs a script, and it puts all the markers where they need to be. So, it's a beautiful thing. Ah, oh, man. Well, it's great to have you on the show. I'm uh, I'm so glad uh, we got some stories to talk about. Uh, we got a couple of things to go over. I think, Cold Acid, you even have a couple of stories, one or two, you said. You said you didn't have a lot. Yeah, but I also got a, I also got a few questions I want to ask Tom about, oh, uh, about yeah. photography because, <clears throat> I mean, originally, I think it was, it was us talking about photography that uh, gave us the idea to bring Tom on the show. Yeah. Uh, hey, wait, that's a cue. <laughs> that pew... Uh, that is not a that is not a cue until later. Well, what I want to bring don't, it was don't let's pew, not pew. prove let's not prove Sir Bemrose right, okay? Well, I was going to say on the show what was going on. Uh, did you not want to do that? Oh, okay. Yeah, we can <laughs> we can do that. So yeah, we're not thanks to an episode of podcasting 2.0 that aired uh, a little while ago. The idea came into my head that we will keep Helipad open and unmuted during the show, and then at the end we'll read through the uh, through the best boosts that we get. Yeah. So we're gonna do um, we're gonna do a little segment at the end of the show. Usually we do like our value for value bit at the beginning. We're gonna wait till the end, uh, right before we close, and we'll read out whatever you send to us during the show. But you gotta send it via Boostagram if you want to get in. And as a bonus, you get to send an annoying sound into Cold Acid's headphones. Uh, so make sure you boost, boost early, boost often, and boost throughout the show. Before and we go on to that, though, I will say that uh, we will we'll still do our executive producer announcement at the beginning of the show. Okay. And for tonight, for tonight, that is none other than Boobery, who ahead of tonight's show sent us in 9,999 sats, a niner, 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 niner. Nice. And he, he, he gave the message, please send this to, to the pneumatic burrito delivery tube to mouth system boost <laughs> fund. Yes. And I tell you, that would be very useful since my rogue would not start tonight. So I couldn't drive out to the burrito place to get my burrito. I actually had to get it delivered and include a message in the delivery that said that, yeah, it's me. I'm not able to come in because the car won't start. I'm otherwise okay. Just uh, just send the del just send the burrito by delivery tonight. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that that's, that's good. If they know that they know that I've survived. They think it was weird. They send the dogs out for you. They have to send the, the burrito special, dogs. <laughs> the burrito dogs. Oh man! So uh, boobs also sent us. I think um, what might be our first story here. We had the potato disaster, courtesy of Boobery. Hold on. You said you said potato. Yes. Pew. Pew. You know Pew. what that means. Well, you got to click. But we need a few good taters. It's 
Potato news on Rare Encounter. Potatoes. Yes, and we have from CBS4, WCCO, the potato disaster. Breaking traffic news in Albertville. Uh, we've learned a little more information about this truck crash that has shut down part of Interstate 94. The truck dumped a load of potatoes on the highway, and because it is so cold, the potatoes, according to MnDOT, are freezing to the road. Oh, my so God, the crazy. humanity of this story. <laughs> Can you believe All those that? poor potatoes yeah. lost. He's got a little more to say. Tears in rain. Like, like potatoes in the rain. There we go. We don't need the whole traffic report. But there you go. There's our throwaway potato story. Or for really, tonight. potatoes in snow. Potatoes in snow. Like a frozen potato. Only the Latvians know <laughs> the tear. The single tear for the frozen potato. Yeah. Oh man! Oh man! I for I forgot about all those Latvian potato jokes. Uh, oh, those were good back in back when those were popular. Yes, uh, I'm trying to remember. Most of them were kind of racist, so I didn't want to say them on the show. I'm trying to think of uh, Senator. I never used that word. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well. I think that was our, our fun story, and we got a little picture I put in my, my notes, and you can't really see the crash, unfortunately. You can see that something's going on, a lot of lights flickering, but all we have is really a traffic camera uh, from I-94 eastbound. Uh, yep, just, a, just a traffic jam is all you see. You don't, you don't get to see any potato gorn in this. Nope, no mashed, uh, mashed and left to uh, freeze on the highway. Though I don't know, no. if you hit one of those frozen potatoes, it could be a projectile. Crashes fritas? No, no, I, crashes I'm not fritas. sure if it would be a projectile, but it, it's probably not going to be good for your suspension. Rolling over potatoes all the way. Well, we had uh, we had another story I wanted to get into. Uh, this was yeah, one... it got scooped on us by none other than No Agenda. Yeah, scooped by Hagen Das. Uh, I was I was a little more optimistic. I thought we would pull this one off, but it got too popular. Oh uh, no! This was this was too this was too damn funny for for John and Adam to skip over. Uh, yes, and of course we're talking about the the other traffic. Of course, accident of course news. we're talking about the we're talking about the monkeys. Yeah, the truck with one hundred monkeys. It's too bad the two crashes couldn't find each other. You know, uh, yeah. maybe take care of that problem. Yeah, the potatoes would, uh, well, I don't know. They might eat the p potatoes. Would, the potatoes would eat the monkeys. <laughs> the potatoes would eat the monkeys. Ooh, it's Long Island iced tea. Mm. They, <laughs> they, uh, they could just pick them up and throw them. You know, it could be a disaster. Oh, that could be bad, yeah. That's how Planet of the yeah. Apes actually I mean, it's bad, it's bad enough when they fling their shit, and that stuff's kind of soft. It's... Monkeys flinging potatoes around, that's just, uh, that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, if anyone didn't hear, this was the story from uh, Danville, uh, Pennsylvania, where they had a apparently a truck carrying uh, 100 monkeys to a, I believe it was a CDC quarantine facility where they were going to hold the monkeys and kind of make sure that they were uh, good to pass on and they weren't uh, carrying anything nasty before they uh, they got assigned to. I, I suppose, think it's just pre-production. Lab, yeah. And anyway, I guess it crashed <laughs> with a dump truck. There's a yeah, it collided into a dump truck. And uh, the monkeys went everywhere. All these crates of monkeys spilled out all over the road. Maybe that was the experiment. <laughs> yes, that could be it. It you know, could be, actually, you know, in, the, in this day and age. Like Sourcing in, crash test dummies has been really difficult with supply chain interruptions. So uh, they, they have an excess so amount of So now we have monkeys. crash chain. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so now we have uh, now we have crash test monkeys. Crash, awesome. yeah. crash test Why monkeys. Not? Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I got some clips from this. I thought the news story was uh, was very good. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not going to play them all. They're a little long, but I'm going to play just the interview. Let's see the interview one. I'm thinking you're going to get hit, and the next thing I know, the dump truck hits the trailer. And they both go down and hit the trees. When she got out to check on the driver, she realized the trailer had dropped more than a dozen wooden crates. I walk up back on the hill, and this guy tells me, he goes, oh, he's hauling cats. I'm like, oh. So I go over to look in the crate, and there's this green cloth over it. So I peel it back, I stick my finger in there, and go, kitty, kitty. And it pops it up, and it's a monkey. It's a monkey. <laughs> it, it, it it's a it. monkey. Apparently, she is now she is now sick with a monkey disease. And I couldn't find a uh, uh, anyone specifying what the monkey disease was. It's uh, uh, I heard that she felt bad, and they gave her a rabies shot. Which yes, I've heard talk that it might be hepatitis, but nothing to nothing to actually back that up. Hmm. There's a couple. Let me run through. Could a couple. just be monkeypox. Could be monkey. Oh, with a that's side nasty. of Zika. With a side of Zika. Monkeypox is bad. I mean, is that like squirrelpox? Could be. That's a nasty thing. You don't want to get that. Let me play a couple more of these clips. State police say the truck was carrying about 100 lab monkeys. Four of them got out of their crates and ran away. All right, I want to pause there. Four of them got out from the original report. I saw some reporting later that said there were three, but let's continue. Fallon saw one running into the woods. We've seen one run across, but they thought it looked like a small cat. It did look like a cat. They were small. State police and Pennsylvania game wardens began combing the woods off of Route 54 in search of the monkeys, receiving aerial support from a state police helicopter with thermal cameras. Yeah. And uh, I only get one more. After several hours of searching, investigators spotted at least one monkey. They shared this photo showing the creature high in a tree perched on a branch. But a short time later. Yeah, they uh, shot it. You heard that? Shot the the monkey. I shot the monkey. Uh, Says, uh, but I did not. I don't know what he did. What didn't he shoot? You have to shoot something. The deputy. Well, you have to shoot something and not shoot something. That's the rules of the song. So if you shot the monkey, what did you not shoot? Uh, hmm. The deputy. The deputy. <laughs> I guess that's the catch-all, huh? Anyway, the end of the... No idea. The, the end of the clip had the my favorite part of the news report, which I was surprised did not show up on No Agenda, because it's a great kicker. If you encounter a monkey, you're asked to call 911. And I love it. That's my favorite clip. Yeah, that is that is definitely ISO material right there. <laughs> yep. So this whole thing uh, reminded me of Ape Escape a little bit, the uh, old PlayStation game. Uh, did you ever play that one? Where they had the... No, I was never a PlayStation no. person. They have all the monkeys. Uh, I think they put on helmets that make them smart, and then they escape through a time machine or something, and you have to go run around with a net and catch all the apes, and it's almost like a stealth thing. You have to sneak up on them and catch them with a net. Uh, At what was point a... does Donkey Kong come in? <laughs> I think it was a different franchise. Uh, different franchise but yeah ape escape that was a fun little one a uh, big franchise by japan game. studio published by sony yeah and despite it's being called ape ape escape they're actually monkeys fun fact uh, of course there's a difference that's, between monkeys you and know apes. what that is that's blatant false advertising it was <laughs> uh 
it was uh, I think in Japan in in Japanese it was like get you monkey or something like that and then they translated it to ape escape because it rhymed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sorry get you. Sorry, yeah, yeah, or sorrow is a uh, monkey. Mhm. Oh man. So the investigators shot this monkey. They murdered the monkey. And uh, they didn't necessarily murder it. They could have shot it to scare it and then it would like stay in place for them to capture it. I don't think so. Or it could have been running right at them, and, well, you know how cops react to no, that. No, I don't think that happened either. I think they shot the monkey. I think they killed the poor, monkey. Poor, poor monkey. Cold acid. I think they murdered the monkey. Poor monkey. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. well. And we all, you almost had another, another wild monkey colony in the United States after that one in Florida. <laughs> Wait, what was the Florida monkey colony? There's a there's a colony of of monkeys in uh, South Florida. What? That just live that just live all wild in the in the swamps. No, nah, it's just Broward County, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what that deserves? <laughs> Yay! Uh, no, no disrespect. It's just a lot of crazy stories out of that place all the time. Yeah, you know those monkeys, yeah, but. But there is an actual monkey colony in in Florida, and I actually found an article from last May where they discover where they finally figured out where the monkeys came from. There is a uh, there is a chimp and monkey farm in the forties that uh, that uh, some monkeys escaped from. I'm... And made their way made their way into the mangrove swamps. Those that those that escaped recapture. What reality is this real? I've never. This heard is of this. real. You never heard of this? No. How, have you never the, heard of this? The, this is like. I've been to the Everglades. Okay, I didn't see any monkeys there. I saw dude, alligators. They've been, they've been monkeying around there since 1948. Oh no! Don't the alligators eat them? Apparently I guess they're not. In the trees, or maybe maybe the alligators catch a couple of them, but they probably know how to deal with alligators by now. Yeah, they just wave their butts at them. <laughs> That's what they do. In the seventies, <laughs> a, a crate of parrots uh, at JFK Airport uh, somehow uh, like fell off a cart or something and opened up, and the parrots escaped and established. Um, couple colonies in Brooklyn, uh, some all the way up in Connecticut, and it's, it's probably a bunch of them. But I lived right by a cemetery that had an entrance where all these, these parrots nested. Uh, they're, they're monk parrots, and they're, they, like, they're, they live in like parrot apartments. They all live together. What, and what's a monk parrot? Does it have like good it's melee like skills? It's like a small green parrot. Okay. One of them flew up to my window one day, and I was like, "What? Did someone's parrot escaped? Oh my god!" And I then see. I realized that there's just a bunch of them around. It's a looks like a parakeet. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it well, they are monk parakeets. But you know, it go it goes to show you that we're not we're not making everything go extinct. In fact, we're making other we're making species thrive in places they've never been before. You know those potatoes. Away. Those potatoes on the side of the road, they're going to keep growing. <laughs> they know what's up. They're going to keep they're going to make it. That's what I think. That would be good. I would like that. And of course, we'll have a potato patch in Minnesota coming soon. 
right off from uh what was it E ninety five? E ninety four in Albertville. Next thing you know, Albertville potatoes, they'll be a thing. Hey, you know what I saw? It will be. What I saw on uh this was I wasn't planning on bringing this up. I saw some flavors of potato chips for my rack on Potato Pro. Sorry? Yeah, I rack- for your rack? I I didn't no, the- realize that you got breast enhancement. No, the potatoes are for my rack, the country in the Middle East. Uh they did a special on a um a potato processing plant and how they were doing quality control and it was kind of interesting but they would bring up and one of the one of the potato chip flavors had yogurt in it uh yeah it was like spices and yogurt <laughs> it was kind of a weird flavor man i've seen some you know what is it about yogurt it's like it always likes to creep into some foods yeah it's Hey, well, don't don't knock it. I mean, at least the Balkan stuff is. I'll knock it off good. the counter like a cat. I, I, don't, I don't like the Greek stuff though. The Greek yogurt tastes like chalk. It ha- it has the same sort of has the same sort. It's like eating chalk. Hmm. Yeah. I I think it's fine. It's got that same sort of consistency too. I like my chocolate. I, I just ima- I just imagine it actually tastes like chalk taste. It certainly looks like somebody took a bunch of chalk, ground it up, and mixed it in water. It has that cottage, sort of like consistency to it. Cottage cheese would probably be worse. What? I like cottage cheese. Yeah, probably. But cottage cheese is <laughs> like dramatic. necessary if you're gonna make like a good uh oh what's it called? Uh, the, the lasagna. Wow, hold on, step back. You don't use cottage cheese in a lasagna, you use ricotta cheese. Which you is... can use cottage cheese yeah. as well. I, I, I don't uh, think. It does, that don't, don't count. No, no, no. It doesn't sound right. It's ricotta cheese, man. But cottage I, cheese I, is I think of lasagna like I think of a chipotle burrito. It just falls apart before you can really get into it. The, yeah. the, trick, the trick is you make it you freeze you freeze it you section it mm-hmm. and you reheat the parts you want and then it won't fall apart on you like that and then you put if it you eat it like cake. fresh out of the oven then yeah it's like still way too liquid you got to you got to have that freezing cycle which actually tends to uh, wick out a lot of that extra moisture. You've got to cook it and then cool it down and then you freeze it and then you heat it up again in the oven and then you put it back in the fridge for a day and then you put it in a box and you mail it to yourself and that's how copyrights are made. Is this known as the Garfield process? <laughs> yes. Yes, it's the only way to uh, extract argon from the atmosphere. <laughs> I don't know. Boobery thinks you have sex with lasagna. Uh-oh. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. That get messy. Now, now I've heard, I've heard of, I've heard of like furries and pedos, but lasagna sexual is like totally new to me. And I don't know if it's as creepy or creepier than those, but I mean, you're going to need a shower. I'm disturbed now, man. I'm disturbed. I I saw it in that movie, Italian pie. (laughs) Nobody. Okay. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Uh, I was trying to come up with a racist name for Jason Biggs, and I can't come up with an Italian joke, so I'll have to move on. It's uh, time to get back to work. Go back to work, man. I don't know. I got some clips. I got a bunch of clips today. I don't know what I want to play. I got a, um, I got some clips about NFTs. Ooh, I got some? some NFT talk, too. But right. let's start with yours. Or do you want to start with mine? Let me warn you, mine are actually difficult to listen to. <laughs> They're painful. 
Okay, so before we chase away all our listeners, I didn't say I'll that. bring up this news article that popped up today, or I saw it pop up today thanks to uh, somebody somebody posting what somebody said on Twitter. Ooh. Uh, so there is this tweet that said, "Now we know why the dislike button was removed." In in response to an article about YouTube possibly getting into NFTs. Uh-oh. Huh. Well, yeah, that that does make a lot of sense actually. Hmm. And, and that would also explain product. why they're getting why they're getting even bitchier than usual about uh, YouTube downloader. I mean, mm, yeah, I yeah. mean, they may have solved the the right click problem on YouTube. But they haven't solved preventing people from making their own copies of the videos over the over the internet. They haven't solved. I can watch a video and then I can remember what happened. They haven't solved that oh, one yet. Oh, you're 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 uh. breaking you're breaking the NFT covenant, man. Oh my god! You know, there's not a lot that's more uh, that's lower on the totem pole right now than NFTs in my book. It's just like the super celebrity garbage. You know, they've got the commercials. I've been watching some football, and you see the ads for crypto bullshit. And to, to, the icing on the cake was this appearance of uh, Paris Hilton on the Jimmy Fallon show. And, you know, here's the clip. Uh, last time you were on the show, I asked you to explain NFTs, mm-hmm. uh, and you did so in a great way, uh, which is a very hard thing to really explain to a lot of people. But since then, Forbes has named you one of the 50, top uh, 50 most influential people in the NFT space. So congrats on that. Thanks. You know uh, what you're doing. Thank you. I'm so proud. I love being a part of this community and being a voice and sharing my platform and just getting the word out there because I think it's just such an incredible thing to be a part of. Yeah, I, I, got, I, I jumped in. I know, I heard. I'm I, so happy I taught you what they were. You did. You taught me what's <laughs> up and then I bought an ape. And then he bought an ape. If you're trying to get me into something, these are not two people I want to follow. Yeah, I know. I no, know. not not in the slightest. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when I when I when I hear or see Paris Hilton, that's usually the cue to like back the fuck away. And Jimmy Fallon, I mean, the only th- the only thing I want to I want to have to do with him at all is introducing his face to my knuckles. Oh, boy. Uh, it's a harsh, harsh critic here with uh, cold acid. I got, um, let me j- cut to Dude the Dude is nowhere near as funny as he fucking thinks he is. I've got the, uh, just the, the topper. I mean, they broke news. They made television history on this episode, and I just want to share it with you all. I'm skipping to the last clip. You have a new NFT. You have one being released soon. Uh, we have it here. What can you tell us about this? Um, well, it- by, by the way, they have it here. <laughs> he has a framed printout of the uh, of a photograph, and he says, "Yes, we have the NFT right here." Wait a minute. He, just- he had an NFT, which is a digital file. He printed it out. Oh, he's using the analog loophole to copy it. He's oh no. He has it right there. It's all on a thumb drive that's taped to the back of it. <laughs> oh, there. You oh, go. okay. I'm sure that makes it better. All right. Yeah. Here- here, listen, listen to this. This is a grown fest. Series that I'm doing with Super Plastic and releasing an Origin Protocol. And then I made another piece by hand. It took me six months. And it's all a collage of all of my memories with Carter. And it's called... It's all of her memories. My Forever Carter. Wow. And here's the actual collage. Yes. Uh, this, is, uh, this is big. I think uh, people are going to love this. Well, if you love it so much, I actually want to give you the first one. 
Yes. And the applause. Oh, oh God. Everyone in the audience. And the audience has no clue what's going on. Oh, free shit. Man, yeah, if what? I had one of those, I'd pay somebody to take it away from me. Oh, my God. It's, you know, it should be called a non-flushable token because you can't get rid of it. Technology is an amazing thing. It, nope. it can do wonders nowadays. <laughs> Jeez. So there you go. Uh, the I put that uh, that little picture of Jimmy Fallon with his ape uh, inside. I skipped the clip where they mentioned it. He's, this oh, is your brother. Ape? Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> it's just like the dead look in everyone's eyes. It's like it's hard to believe either of them cares about what this is. You know, it's no, no. I mean, I, I mean, in I the case of Paris Hilton, the, the dead look in her eyes just comes natural <laughs> to her anyways. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's embarrassing, the whole thing. And if you know what it is, you know what this is? This is a scam. It's a scam. Oh, man. Um, I don't know, what do we want to move to next? Uh, I think we, we could talk about, uh, some stuff with Tom Starkweather, who's been gracious enough to, uh, to join our, uh, podcast today, and we've... Yes. Going through the... absolutely. The normal crap. We've been yapping this whole time and not, not letting him get in much other than a word here and there. Uh, That's the little little bit of the tease. understand the frustration? Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, Tom, uh, we want to talk to you. Oh, yeah? We want to know. Okay. There's one thing I want to know, actually, more than anything else, is how many podcasts do you have? (laughs) um i guess two just two okay so i'm aware of both of them because i had what i miss about new york and i've been listening to that uh i heard your episode 10 uh about your dallas uh trip Mm -hmm. and and i just found out today you have one called melodious owls yeah i I was just using it as a feed for my end of show mixes and then several different people kind of encouraged me to actually do something with it and when i saw people actually following it it was like "Uh, okay yeah i'll give it a shot and uh my my concept right now is interviewing other people that make end of show mixes and and sharing some of the music and I just did one with Rob Dew last night. Yeah, Sir, Sir Ducifer. Sir Ducifer. Yeah. yeah. He's a cool guy. Very cool. Uh, I I recommend checking it out. MelodiousAls.com. Yeah, it's uh, it just came up on my radar, so I didn't club. get to listen to it. But he's Rob yeah. Dew. Yeah, I know that guy. Tom Starkweather, I know that guy. I got to listen to the show now. <laughs> so thanks. Now I have another thing to do. Uh, but what's your – have you considered doing uh, – like a podcasting 2.0 kind of, uh, you know, running feed with value for value on this kind of thing, you know, with the, yes. the medium uh, tag. I, I'm looking at my uh, Raspberry Pi kit. I, <laughs> I was going to do a Raspberry Blitz setup, but then uh, actually after talking to Adam in person, he told me to use Umbral. Mm. So It's the buzzword uh, I, now. Yeah, I, I guess that's, that's because what I, that's what he him and Dave are using. Yeah, but I I figured I mean, like I Ra- figured if he's Raspberry promoting Pi has it, been it, working it, has been working fine for me and Sir Spencer. Okay. Yeah, you've got to run it on a, a on a Linux box that's built inside a pizza box. You know, uh, you've so, got to do it in the most dirty. No, you don't need to put it in a pizza box. In your Mine, kitchen drawer. Mine's in a rack. You've got to do it in the most dirty, nerdy way, or it's not it's not real. That's what I had to say. <laughs> 
So I, I have a confession to make. I, yes, yes. Well, well, I think I, you can actually run Umbral on a Raspberry Pi, but but really, Raspberry Blitz is designed for running on that particular hardware. Uh, so okay. what, what, it's really the best if you're going to be using a Pi as your node. What's your confession, Tom? Okay. Uh, I, I have some crypto, but I've never actually bought anything with crypto and and the first thing i want to buy is the, the album you did with sir spencer <laughs> oh, oh well, really thank you thank I, you like i i feel like that i should do that to really uh you know understand the process before i actually uh build one myself no one tell him you could listen for free <laughs> he doesn't need to know that <laughs> uh yeah april in the wolf.com we have um uh sir spencer got together a list of some of the apps which are lightning enabled. And if you have the ability to send lightning transactions, which is kind of the key, you know, not every exchange where you have some Bitcoin inside can actually make a lightning transaction, unfortunately, but it's becoming more and more common. Um, the point of having the node is, you know, uh, you can convert stuff from Bitcoin, you know, vanilla Bitcoin to lightning, and then, you know, live in lightning world where most of this stuff the podcasting 2.0 stuff happens. So, um, Lightning World is, sounds is like that a cool like the underside of the metaverse? Yeah, um, it's uh, a <laughs> Lightning is they call it the layer two protocol because you say, well, Bit Bitcoin's on the blockchain, so everything that you do with Bitcoin is, you know, like a transaction that's recorded in everyone's ledger and everyone has a copy of it, and that's kind of the deal. So if I send you some Bitcoin, everyone in the world knows. Well, at least some account with my numbers and a Bitcoin to some wall, you know, some address with your number, and so it's, everything's public out there. The and and what that also means is you need a bunch of other strangers to confirm everything. Um, the Lightning Network mm -hmm. still has strangers have to confirm a bunch of stuff. It's one of these. Uh, it, it's a cool system, but the idea is that instead of doing every single transaction on chain, if I know in advance, hey, I'm going to make a bunch of transactions with you, you know, maybe we can set up something between ourselves where we'll just keep track of things. And then at the end of uh, some period or the end of, you know, when we're done, um, we'll just close the channel and then we'll only exchange the balance. Uh, instead of doing a million transactions in the middle, we'll just have one to start and then one to end. And uh, it's a, it's a, the thing that enabled value for value podcasting, uh, because the idea of streaming sets, well, you know, if every, every minute you did a Bitcoin, a real transaction on the blockchain, it'd be like spamming the system. Um, uh, even lightning, which was made to be efficient like that had some problems when they first turned it on the first, uh, the stories of when they first started doing that with podcasting 2.0 is, Whoa, holy shit. We got more transactions than we ever thought were going to happen. <laughs> Uh, it, it broke some things you know but it's a it's a fun system i like it it's uh it's uh interesting intellectually like how it works and some of the some of the nuance of uh how the network is formed like there's topologies to it so there's channels which are connections just between two people but there's also ring topologies which i i continually feel like there's a there's a really deep uh like mathematical kind of think piece that you could run on this and relate ring topologies and mathematics to ring topologies and lightning. But, you know, no one's interested in that. Um, Bitcoin! It's a, it's a big nerd fest. It's a big nerd fest. <laughs> That's a jingle I sent in that 
got played once, I think. <laughs> uh, I've done a couple. I did the uh, the podcast Ring of Fire on Podcasting 2.0, and you know I've done end of show mixes, right? I I don't know which ones. I I should, and you know what? Let's you know you you come on my show. I come on your show. You come on my show. I did a couple things. I did the um, the one J- JCD liked the most was the Trump Riddle, where it was a. The riddle, it was, he said it was like a South Park-esque, um, I don't know how to, de- how, how he described it. It was like a South Park parody kind of thing where it was almost like a Broadway musical version of, uh, the New York Times telling you what to do. Huh. So I did that. I did the, um, actually the measles, remember the measles jingle? If you dodge the needle for measles, that's illegal. That was me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did that one. Um, I did a bunch of random shit. Okay. Some of it got played. Some of it, I did the Khashoggi one when he died, <laughs> the oh. gory one with all the ex, all the guys screaming in the background, oh, yeah. with the saws going. That was you. That was me. Yeah, that was you. Hey, all Khashoggi. Right. I do remember that one. Yeah, no, I've been, I've been around. I did a couple things. I was gonna see if I could pull one up, but I don't think I have one. Uh, no agenda show. Let me see. I got. Yeah, there's the Hey Khashoggi. Yeah, that was it. Hey, which of course was a parody. I don't. No one caught on to this, but it's a parody of a song, which is "Hey Kirby" by Aesop Rock. This is insane. It's, yeah, I did a bunch of stuff. I did the uh, the big Mig. Hey, I made it to the best one with this one, which is the. Once there was a world full of sovereign states. Till amygdalas expanded, a new order started. Wait. Oh no. The world began to war again, the middle class was poor again, while television sold the myths of climate conscious communists. From Arab Spring to Caliphates to Mockingbird and Watergate, it all started with the Big Mig. Everybody found the fix when money entered politics, it all started with the Big Mig. <laughs> God. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I have 14 in my list. I don't want to play them all. I already played too much. I'm already... Uh, well, you got to come play them on my show. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'll, I'll give you a list of this stuff. You can, you can go yeah. come ask me about them. I will. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. End the show mix, man. I'm I'm really excited for the value for value music shtick. Um, there's been some buzz. I, I've been talking to one or two people kind of on the side who maybe want to do something and maybe they don't. And trying to talk him into doing it, but the the approach that I had and Sir Spencer had was we started. We said it's going to be a tech demo. We're really demonstrating. Hey, this is something we care about. We want to just kind of figure out how it works. But the big problem is we said we it has to be music first. It has to be the music has to be good or no one will care. Was the thesis, and so that drove all of the uh all of the other problems with it because if we just made an rss feed and threw a bunch of mp3s we already had well yeah i could have done that yesterday but the uh the extra effort of actually having to write original music and record it and try and make it good enough for an album oh is uh it shows that it shows that you have pride in your craft yeah (laughs) i don't know i don't know if i have that but the, so let me ask you, Tom, you do, mm-hmm. uh, you do music, you do end of show mixes. Do you yes. think there's a difference between something that you do for an end of show mix and something you do for an album? Uh, well, I mean, 
I, I think the end of show mixes are kind of in a satirical genre of themselves. And it's, it's not like a weird owl satire either. It's very, um, very media driven, I, I think mm-hmm. overall. And you know, you got more than half of them or maybe half are, are covers of actual songs interpreted with, uh, you know, news events of, of our times. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> well, that's fine. I have no idea. I guess you'd open any question, but it's the, the thing that gets me is every once in a while, someone mentions something else. Oh, well you can go and find a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, you know, royalty free music that you could just put in a feed and then charge money for. You could take, you know, some stuff you used to do and reheat it and put it up there and, uh, you know, that's a, a feed. And my feeling on it was, yeah, I have a bunch of old stuff. I have a back catalog of songs I wrote and soundtracks I worked on. And, you know, it's, it feels almost, and this is just my opinion. I'm not like pointing fingers at anyone, uh, or anything like that. I'm just saying there's so many exciting kind of new things going on. Uh, in terms of music, if you go on Bandcamp, I'm not even talking about value for value. It's like if you go look for new groups that are doing stuff and new albums that are dropping and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. of unknown album, unknown bands, you know, there's so much stuff out there. If you start looking for it, um, you can't hear it on the radio, obviously. Uh, they, right. they play kind of whatever is being promoted that month or that year. But if you, I feel like my lens for that kind of thing was just going to local shows, whether it was in Rochester where uh, yeah. I had a band. It, we moved to New York. Uh, New York is so kind of fragmented it, with its own music scene. It's uh, I don't know. For a period of time, there was a, there were a lot of shows in Bushwick I would go to, and I couldn't tell you what's going on these days. Uh, and for a while. I had a bunch of friends in Baltimore and I would, I would go down there pretty often <laughs> yeah. on the way back from uh, visiting my family in Virginia. That's a nice, I used to live in uh, that area until just a couple of months ago. So I was just talking to a friend from, uh, from the Baltimore area today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were, unfortunately the stuff we were talking about though is, Hey, remember that time we were out doing a bar crawl in the middle of the night? Yeah. Remember oh, that, yeah. remember that bar that we were standing outside of? Yeah. A guy just got shot there. <laughs> Yeah. This is the news article is, and it's like, oh yeah, I know that street. I was standing right where the body was, you know. Yeah, uh, it really bums me out. Uh, I drove through there a couple of days ago, and I, you know, I remember my times going down there very fondly, but it really uh, seems to be a lot, a lot more dangerous than it was even then. Yeah, I'll tell you, Fell's Point, right in the middle of the COVID stuff, was actually pretty hopping. Like we were going out, we Uber out there and then wander around and get into all kinds of trouble at night. And it was wild. It was like a big party you were right in the middle of. And it stretched from, you know, both sides of the street, people walking out in the middle. Every single building you walked into was packed full. It'd be 2.30 a.m., 3 a.m. The bars would close. We're still there because we're dumb, right? And you'd say, oh, we're going to get a slice of pizza. So you go to, there's, there's two or three pizza slices and it's shoulder to shoulder, like packed in like <laughs> sardines, nice. people trying to get a slice or two of pizza. It's uh, it was just a, I don't know, a very, very uh, visceral experience to have right in the middle of all that. It's uh, something I'm not going to forget. 
And something I, I do like about Baltimore was that that stuff. The uh, the scene out there was uh, yeah. different than anything I've ever done before. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I was going around like uh, 2009 to 2013, roughly. Yeah. I saw you had a, you, you were actually working on some shows down there. Uh, one of your notes to me is that you had, I think in 2011, you worked on sound on a show. 2011, Baltimore. Is that the one with Grimes? Oh, um, that was actually uh, when I, I started using the light organ. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, he lived in this loft building, and I think it was called the Annex or uh, something cat or mm. copycat. <laughs> I might be mixing up two things. Anyway, he had a loft. Uh, they had a lot of shows. Um, and he shared Grimes' music with me pretty early before she got big. And I, I, huh. I liked a lot of the demos. And they had a show she played at. And I, I had set up all these different Christmas lights running into my <laughs> can of kit uh, light organ. Nice. And I got, I got a little video of it. Yeah, I got the. I didn't clip the audio because it uh, it seemed like I don't know. I didn't want to clip something that that shouldn't oh, be clipped. Yeah. But I, I saw it's the a video. great song, and I, I've never I've never heard it on any of our other recordings. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny when you find out artists when they make it big. Sometimes that that big hit song they were singing back when they were in high school or something, you know, in their local band. Um, one of the guys. Uh, that I knew in Denver, he was a musician who was like, he worked on, I think his big credits were like, he was on the Red Dead Redemption soundtrack uh, doing like, you know, the, the, the soundtrack structured where depending on what's going on in the game, it'll kind of blend between different uh, instrumental pieces. And so it'll like get more action and more intense as stuff is happening. And then if it's calms down, you know, things will, the music kind of follows what the action of the game is. And so he was one of the he was one of the musicians they brought in to just okay yeah uh, we need something for like a mid tempo and he's like okay well we'll pick around an E and now we need it really fast you know and he does the uh, and so he had stuff that appeared in the game but he would talk about the singer from um, oh god not felt uh, the one who had uh, how to save a life what was their name uh, the fray. Uh, the singer went to school in Baltimore and he said, yeah, in high school, a couple of the songs the Frey had on their first album, he used to sing it recital. Like he'd go up on, uh, play the piano and sing it just like on the album, you know, five, 10 years before he was famous. Huh. It's a fun stuff. I think Vienna was one of the songs he mentioned. He had some video of him in the, in the high school singing the same thing. It's hmm. funny how that is, you know? Yeah. You find the deep cut with the different lyrics and the... It's completely different than the song, you know. Have you ever heard the uh, the alternate version? Well, it's not an alternate version. It's just a different mix of In Utero, like the Steve Albini original mix. No, I I, I do like Nirvana though, so I'm not. Uh, it's, it's not. It's left not field for like me, but I haven't listened to World's it. Better or anything. It's just like a very different sounding record. Hmm. Yeah, kind of understand why maybe something's changed. I don't know. It's. It's an interesting popular example of that. Oh, I need to I need to check some of that stuff out. I like Kurt Cobain's uh work. I had a clip I sent of uh of him to uh Boobery uh for behind the schemes and it was just Kurt Cobain reacting to I think it was in 97. He was on some show, the band was on some show 
and uh, like a, it almost looked like a local cable, you know, channel. Like it was pretty low key. And they said, "Hey, what do you think about bands who charge uh, seventy five dollars for a ticket or whatever?" And they give them uh, basically Madonna's ticket prices at the time. And they're the band is looking at each other like, "What? You can charge that I much?" Stick my finger in there. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're looking at each other, and he calls his managers off screen. Um, and he goes, "Hey, so how much do we charge for tickets?" Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. And he was like, uh, I, th- I think they charged, I think it was uh, it was either 19 or it was like 20-something dollars. Maybe it was $25. And they were like, man, wh- what do we get out of that? And they started talking about the finances of Nirvana, right, at, you know, live. And they're like, yeah, we get like five, I guess we get a couple bucks out of every ticket sale, but the rest of it goes to the show, you know. Yeah. It was really fun to watch them kind of figuring out what's going on uh in real time. So. Did you ever see the series of tweets that uh, Kanye West released that was just basically a copy of his his record company agreement? Yeah, he tweeted out all his contracts. Yeah. I, I can't remember, but I remember when he did that. And then he also peed on his Grammys. Uh, I didn't see that one, but okay. Oh, he did, yeah. <laughs> he put him in the toilet. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Then someone just someone else had to clean that up. It's not like it's going down the toilet. Jeez. Well, yeah, it could be. <laughs> That's someone's job. It's someone's job. You clean up. Thank I'm God gonna... it's not mine. Yeah. <clears throat> Polish the Grammys. So before I knew about your uh, about your interest in music and you doing end, all these end of show mixes. Although I did hear your name every so often. Uh, the first thing I really knew about you, Tom, was your photography. Yeah. And I think I've actually, I think I've hunted down your Flickr account. Oh, yeah. I was very, I just did. I just Flickr. did a search for your name. I saw it in the search results. Mm-hmm. Pixelate it. Yep. Nice. <laughs> Pixelate it. Although it looks like you haven't posted in a, in a few years now. It might be the only one that's ever appreciated that. That username. <laughs> well, we're big um, nerds here. Of course, we're going to appreciate that. It was somewhere around the point that it was sold to. I think Yahoo had already bought Flickr. It was pre Instagram. Yahoo didn't know what to do with the product. They had an, an a fully <laughs> functional Instagram with uh, you know plenty of features ready to go. Didn't know what to do with it. When to when to use it and. Then it got overtaken by an inferior product, and uh, yeah. And then they eventually sold it off to, to Facebook. Uh, yeah. No, they sold they sold it to. Uh, oh, uh, Flickr got resold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who sold um, Flickr to? Uh, bucket. To, oh, thing can't or... remember the name of it, but <laughs> some photo, other photo photos. Bucket. Yeah, some other some other photo company, yeah. some other photo hosting company, just before they got they got sold themselves to Verizon. Oh, Verizon. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I I used to have a lot more on there, and for a while, even after Yahoo bought it, it was like twenty five dollars a year to have enough space for me to to post as many pictures. And it was then, like it was like twenty five US forty Canadian yeah. for like unlimited. Right, 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 right. Because I, I still have my Flickr account. I still, I still pay the fee, even though I haven't uploaded anything in years. 
Yeah, it's I'm I'm really bummed that never never took off because it was a lot easier to connect with people on Flickr. In fact, someone I ended up having a podcast with for years, I met through Flickr through their pictures. What podcast is this? Uh, it's called the LPV Show. So three podcasts. Well, um. My, it doesn't sound work. like it was Tom's podcast. It was somebody yeah, else's. It was more uh. someone else's, and then they left New York, and we we tried to do something else, and it uh, it never really materialized, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, I have, but for for I years, just logged in again. Oh, yeah. One thousand two hundred thirty-one items. Ooh. Oh, are they all uh, hot babes in your area liking your art? <laughs> No, they're not. Because that's what I get on. But there, there's a lot. There's a lot of cosplay pictures from events in there. That's for sure. That's the uh, the old SoundCloud method of uh, you get a bunch of DMs and they're all from bots with uh, stock photos of women or s- stolen photos of uh, of you know chicks doing selfies or something. Well, I love your I love your music. It's so hot. Click on my link. <laughs> it's some <laughs> spam link. Yeah. Check me out. Refollow. Yes. <laughs> so how do we get around that? What's the next place? So we don't have Flickr. You know, I used to host all my stuff on Photo Bucket, but now you can't hot lick anymore. So hmm. that sounds wrong. Photo Bucket was always was. shit to begin with anyways. So I mean, I'm talking a long time ago. <laughs> Once <laughs> upon a time. But what what's the next thing? I think there's a there's a federated version of um Flickr isn't there or a, a photo hosting thing there you know, there's a federated I, I, Instagram uh called uh, pixel fed pixel and I was actually I was actually huh. migrating more or less by hand what I used to have on my Instagram account into that but I hit a rate limit after uploading a hundred of my uh of my Instagram pics so it'll be a while before I can continue and complete that process. Huh. If you are on Instagram, uh, you can see some of my newer pictures at Tom Starkweather. That is my handle. But I I really only use that like once every two weeks now. I I have a Graphene OS phone. Um, so whenever I use Instagram, it's when I'm turning on the other phone to maybe post something. It's a shame that it's not easier to find and follow photographers or photojournalists because, yeah. uh, well, I, I mean, Instagram really isn't designed for them. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's stuff going on, things I'd be interested in. And, and I'm talking about local events, things like that. It's like, you know, it'd be nice if there was someone with a camera, you know, who knew how to use it. Uh, if they're out there taking pictures like Peter Parker, yeah, I'd that, be there. That was send- my old dream job. I'd be sending them sets. Taking pictures of Spider-Man? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, being a news <laughs> yeah. photographer. Yeah. If if mm. there was some way to to do that with, <laughs> I don't want to say podcasting 2.0. I mean, the the music is a kind of a stretch, right? But it's an MP3. Is file, this an NFT cell? I don't want an NFT cell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's so much stuff. You know, Lightning Network is. Uh, it it just feels like a virgin territory. There's so much to do, so much to yeah. explore. Yeah. And one of the things to explore is if you wanted to have a photo blog where people could send you sats for uh, pictures, I'd do that. Well, but- in classic Kodak form, 
even pre-NFT, they were working on a sort of cryptocurrency for 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 images. Um, you know, to have value directly linked to a product. And then, you know, like the digital camera they invented, they it couldn't get it off the ground and uh no one remembers now. Yeah. Yep. Oh well. I heard they have the black and white. I was talking to someone about film today. He's he's all excited. He says, "Yeah, I found out you can buy the uh, all the developing agents and the uh, the film for doing black and white photography from Kodak." And for some, I guess for some reason, he had, it was hard to buy for a while. I don't know. Uh, well, the company was. I think it's been sold off, and it's been really difficult with uh, film stocks and sourcing. I, I don't know specifically about processing your own stuff because I haven't done that in like 15 years. <laughs> yeah. And I was buying, uh, you know, Kodak Chemistry, but uh, my favorite Fujifilm stock, they they stopped making it a year ago and I didn't find out till June. <laughs> so, you know, the price got inflated in, in an insane manner. And, I, yeah. you know, I only have two rolls left now and it's kind of sad. You know, I think the last time I actually used a film camera was 2008. Hmm. <laughs> that might be the same for me. I did some develop. I developed some black and white photos. I I did the photography merit badge. That's the only photography I did, uh, like real photography. The rest has been lab photography stuff where you're documenting things. It's basically the uh, the insurance adjusters. <laughs> School of photography, where you're just taking pictures of stuff that's broken. So yeah, yeah, here's the proof. Here's the proof that I was there, and here's what it looked like. You know, I've I've been I'm, shooting medium format film on a, a twin lens camera, a Yashica. Whenever I go home home to Virginia now, um, just kind of getting the feeling like maybe things aren't going to be around for that much longer, and wanting to wanting to remember things in a, a real nice. Uh, dense film stock way oh boy i use i have a favorite camera now it's terrible you won't like it what is <laughs> it the rico uh wg70 i i don't know the wg70 but no, rico makes some interesting cameras they, so this is the camera i've been using this for a couple of years now every time i get a new job i insist that they buy it for me they, i have a oh, list of favorite yeah, products right? yeah, yeah. so i get a new this, job it looks like, rugged yeah, it's a it's a shop <laughs> camera, and they advertise yeah. it like, oh, look at oh, these it couple. Yeah, rugged. It's yeah. climbing a mountain. Look at these guys. They're skiing with the camera. They're <laughs> you could take it underwater. It's not that's not what it's fucking for. It's for working in an auto shop, and you need a camera that if you get oil on it, it doesn't break, and it has a plastic lens that you you can put it face down, and it doesn't scratch it. It has an array of LEDs around the front, so you can get kind of close to stuff in it in 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 the. Get a, yeah, it basically has a built-in ring light, so you can do macroscopic, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it's like technical photography. It's for reports and things, not for enjoyment or art in any way. But I I had a Rico. I like my camera, but I don't know how to use it. Oh, yeah. You had a Rico. I've, I've got this, I've got this Sony Cybershot to digital camera. It's like, oh, it's essentially like a, DS, a DSLR body Right, except that uh, the lens is fixed on, can't change right. the lens, and uh, it. I got it mainly because it's got the nice, it's got the nice grip to it, right? Because mm -hmm. I hate, I hate those little, I hate those little chocolate bar point and clicks, because they're just impossible to 
hold on to and get a decent shot. This has like the mount on it as well so I can use it with a tripod or monopod which I do a lot when I'm taking like pictures out in the woods. Yeah. And the problem is like I just really don't know how to use all the all the functionality on it to to take good pictures. I I take I think they're decent enough. What, but they're what not do you good, especially do? when especially when you like look at them in full detail. Well, what what do you what do you think is missing that you want to do? Talent. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you be more specific? Oh, I you know lighting is part of it. Like ha like having good lighting effects in the pictures. A lot of a lot of them, I I don't know. They feel it feels That's kind really of flat, the or it feels like. Or it feels like they're washed out. Yeah. Okay. There's not. There's not much. There's do, not much dynamicism to the to the color in the photos. You, I find. Do you shoot in RAW or do you shoot in JPEG? It doesn't give me the option. It just shoot in JPEG. Oh. I wish it. I wish it gave me the option for RAW. Wow, you know. But uh, Sony, Sony consumer stuff is just consumer stuff. I don't think they have a prosumer view of things. <sighs> Which it's is probably one of, the one of those I missed things. About, I had, I had a Lumia 1020 uh, Windows phone back in oh, the day, God. <laughs> and it had, it had like it had like this amazing for a phone camera uh, camera in it. It was, and there was even there was even like a camera grip attachment you could put the phone you could put the phone into, and I I took some decent pictures with that. It. It add it did it did raws at least uh, at least like that uh, common raw format. It would save the the data and how to parse it into that. But this Sony just does JPEGs. Hmm. Well, it might be one of those things where it could shoot raw, but it's disabled in the camera. I know I know Canon has done that with a lot of their things. Like it has a built-in intervalometer and. Uh, you know, because it's only this version, they're they're not enabling that feature, even though it's actually like in, it's in there in the camera. Yeah. The, I would not be surprised if Sony did that. The, it, it sounds like the sort of dick move they would do. The dynamic. I think they all do it. But yeah. The, yeah, the dynamic range of those sensors um, are always really good, and when you just save to JPEG, you're you're losing. You're, you're well, losing the Well, you know, if it's overexposed it or underexposed, you're working at the extremes. And if you had a raw file, you can kind of recover, you know, more edge information there. But, mm. you know, if it's if it's blown out in a JPEG, it's gone. Like, there's no yeah. actual information so that, there. That 1020, the Lumia 1020, you could actually have it where it would take three shots in, like, a fraction of a second and... Mm -hmm. Two of, the, two of those shots would have the lighting adjusted. One would have it adjusted up, one would have it adjusted down. Oh, okay. And yeah, so it's you'd have these three. It's yeah. bracketing, yeah. And then it would uh, it would kind of combine those together and you'd have like HDR photography. Oh, that's something else. <laughs> and then you yeah. can then you can <laughs> No, well that's like... that's how they were that's how they were peddling it at least. Oh, you can take you can take HDR photos with this if you just put on this bracketing mode and we'll do all the we'll do all this magic in the camera that'll process these images together into one that has 
high definition color. Then you I can... think the best execution of that has been uh, the night shot mode on uh, Google cameras. And uh, I, it varies between the number of frames it takes, but it'll take a burst, of, like, I think, up to like 14 frames. And, you know, even if it's very low light, as long as you can hold the camera still enough, you can get some pretty, uh, pretty in-depth pictures in, in very low light scenarios. Mm. And unfortunately, that's part of my problem, too. That's why that's why I have the tripod. Cold acid only goes out at night. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad they haven't integrated that kind of um, stacking into you know, regular cameras, not a phone camera, but uh, yeah. yeah, no one's really done that yet. Well, you, what you need is you need to have the HDR mode on your camera that does that, and then it renders the the compressed dynamic range where the darkest darks are are uh, are not mm-hmm. too dark at all. You know, like super low contrast, and then you can take fi- pictures that look like every single photo on Zillow.com. <laughs> where, where it's some consult you know uh, someone goes in to take photos of the and i'm sure sir spencer will laugh at this too the real estate agents come in then you take the photos so that it looks like there's no shadows in the room at all yeah so i, there, I have there's a... another thing too with with processing with processing the images because like there will be a lot of times where where like you have you don't really have black even though there is black it just comes out as gray. I don't know how to use those uh, those tools in Photoshop or Creator or whatever. To... Shadow lever slider in a little bit or uh, work the curve. Work the curve. Yeah, it, it's yeah. learning how to do that. That's the that's the problem. I need to I need to learn this shit. It's easier than you think. Is don't be so intimidated. It's 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 not too hard. Work the curve, baby. Gotta work that curve. Work that curve, man. Yeah, I I have a Rico. Um, 360 camera and i've taken it around when i'm checking out new apartments and the issue i have with it is it makes every place look way bigger than it is so when you're looking <laughs> at it later like oh that is a nice place yes so you know a little little trick for some real estate photographers out there yeah yeah eventually eventually it, there's not even going to be that sort of uh that sort of like photography that they still do today they're gonna have like they're gonna have like a uh, like the Google, the Google Street View camera system on top of a Roomba, and they're just gonna <laughs> drive that around the house or apartment, and and there you go. You have you have like this, put it all together into like a into like a VR program, and there you go. People put on their headset and Jeez. walk around the virtual house or apartment uh, to to look around. Are you still in the metaverse? Get out of there. Yeah, you don't want to be in the metaverse, man. You got to disconnect. You I don't want to be in the metaverse, but but that's that's where it's going to. Plug pull that plug out of the back of your neck. Get escape. <laughs> escape. <laughs> oh god. I I put a uh, a link inside the chat room for the Air Neo. Speaking of the Matrix. Wow. Th- this was a CES um innovation award uh honoree actually. And I went through the, we did CES a little while ago on Rare Encounter, and this was a little drone that showed up at the show. It's like a little quadcopter, but it's set up in, uh, it almost looks like a cell phone form factor. And the idea is that it's completely autonomous, and it has a, a uh, 
little camera inside it, and then you can launch it from the palm of your hand. It'll fly up and take a picture of you, and then it says it'll fly back and land in your hand, but I think that's yet to be shown. This is another example of using too much white space because there's a fra- there's all this white You're space. Right. So perceptually, it's like, is this the size of a cracker or is this like a doormat? I don't understand. Yes, it is the uh, it, it is something. I don't know. It could be the size of one of those earpod cases for all you know. <laughs> the uh, the. What I want to get into, maybe this will be our last topic today, is the future of photography. And I don't mean Roombas with 360s, uh, cameras built on for metaverse Ro- and Roombas, Roombas with, oh, what was that thing that the, that the, uh, that they started pushing back in the Xbox 360 days and they forced was built in the, the original Kinect? Xbox ones? The Kinect? Yeah, yeah. Roombas with Kinects on top. Oh, God. oh boy. Well, you know, there's been a couple technologies that came out where they would have stereoscopic uh, cameras that would get depth information parallel. So you'd take a regular photo and they'd also have depth depth information alongside it. So you could do things like fake um, a depth of field blur. You know, say, well, I don't really have the the optics. I don't have the glass to do that, but I have two cameras next to each other. And so I can take a picture of a subject and because of the depth information, I now know the subject is a different depth than the background, and I can selectively blur the background. It's probably how face unlock works, too. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, you know, kind of AI trickery that they, I don't want to say, I, I, I need to wash my mouth out. I said, hey, AI in respect to this. It's uh, digital signal processing advancements that are kind of interesting, but, you know, I've yet to see the artistic uh, value of them. It seems like, uh, well, you know, I guess if you can, if you wanted to take a photo with that kind of the subjects in the foreground and the backgrounds blurred and you didn't have the money to buy the, the right lens to do that and really, you know, get, get in there and focus, then maybe it's a good idea. Then you can at least get the point across, even if you're doing it with signal processing rather than, you know, the traditional photographic way, which is you'd have a camera that actually forms that image on the sensor or on the film. Mm-hmm. Um, on some sort of plane. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some interesting stuff coming down the pike um, with, uh, they call it lensless cameras. Um, have you heard of anything like that? It may be on photo blogs or tech blogs sometimes. Popular science was a, uh, is a dead Are you talking about pinhole cameras? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about cameras that don't, um, they don't focus the light with a lens. Instead, pinhole they receive camera. they. Well, no, they. It's not a pinhole camera. They use a diffuser film on the front, and so you can't. Uh, if you actually photographed uh, with a piece of film, you'd get nothing but a big blur. You know, and if so, if it was a bright room, you get a bright blur, and a dark room, you get a dark blur. But that's about all you could tell, uh, because there's no lens to to actually focus the light. But what you can do is put a diffuser film instead of a lens and then calibrate it by using a plane wave source like a laser or something. So basically you have the, the demos that I would see, um, and I saw some presentations at universities about this, where they would have a cheapo CMOS camera that they bought off Amazon for, you know, like $25. It's, you know, it's like a little circuit board with a, a CMOS crappy camera on with a plastic lens and they pop the plastic lens off and they put a piece of scotch tape on 
and it turns out the scotch tape makes a pretty good diffuser film. Uh, you know, just like normal paper scotch tape. It's kind of, uh, if you put it on top of your camera, guess what? <laughs> it makes everything blurry. And then they calibrate it by taking a photograph of a laser pointer, a cheapo laser pointer you buy off Amazon for a couple bucks. And then everything else after that was signal processing, where they would find the mapping from, uh, you know, because you know the direction the laser's coming from, which is straight into the camera. You can get the mapping of the wave that comes from the laser and get in, is instant on the sensor, and you can figure out what that is. Basically, they have, I think they use MATLAB, actually, the computer software. It really sounds like it, you're you're it, also throwing a lot of uh, you know computer business and algorithms in terms they of are. interpreting the physical world. They, Whereas you know it's it's much more complicated than some you know ground glass. Well, here's the thing that you can do is you can emulate the ground glass. We had a guy named Fourier who back like in the 1800s figured out an he had algorithm. Some fast transforms. Uh, Bluestein wrote the fast transform version of it. Uh, but anyway, Fourier came up with the descri mathematical description of a lens. So you can take that, that blurred image that shows up in the sensor and you can actually form a traditional photo with the Zoom information. Zoom enhance. Right? Yeah. You, and, and you can decide what focal length the lens is after you take the photo. Yeah. Is the bottom line. Uh, which is a lot, I know it's a shaggy dog story, but it's rare encounter. So I have to say all of the stupid <laughs> details in the middle. Uh, otherwise people would be disappointed. Uh, it it sounds like I'm just glossing over it. But the the bottom line is you can deconvolve the the diffuser film and then you can form images that even have, like you don't even have to have the entire sensor on. Like if you had 25 dead pixels, you couldn't tell. Because of the way, uh, you know, one dead pixel on a regular camera, well, that's a hole right in the middle of the image. But when you have the diffuser film and you have a dead pixel, well, uh, it doesn't matter as much because the energy is distributed for the image is distributed across the whole sensor, not just, you know, on that one, one it, place. It sounds like a lot of, a lot of rounding numbers and yeah, estimating. Like and I, I imagine that the the image would be very smooth. It's very state-of-the-art, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it is. And so you can get... 3D images where you, what you do is you say, hey, I took a picture of something. And then I, what I did is I focused it at um, five feet away and then five point, you know, 4.9 feet away and 4.8 feet away. And you, and you build up this stack and you can get 3D holography out of it. You get all kinds yeah. of bullshit. It's like stuff you can't do with a normal camera. It's fascinating to me. And oh, by the way, I'm a holography and radar guy. So this is what I'm into. A while ago, uh, Fuji developed a hexagonal um, pixel sensor, and somehow it would interpret uh, the space between uh, each of the pixels. And it, th this makes me think of that. In a Ooh, way, even though yeah. Hexagonal lattices are cool, man. You get 13%. Yeah, I think Nikon actually made the the body for the cameras, but it was, uh, I think it was a Fuji sensor. Or a Fuji interpretation of a sony sensor probably because hmm. it's most mostly sony and i think canon and some other stuff jeez yeah that's cool i mean you gotta hope the stuff i see and uh people who listen to rare encounter enjoy uh when we when i rant about stuff that doesn't make any sense so you have to forgive me for that but the uh the uh the future of photography 
I really think is the the cool part about it is the glass. You know, you can take glass from fifty years ago if it's good glass, and you can still use it today. And uh, all the other... there are some issues with um, like medium format cameras. I know with some of the older lenses, if you're actually using um, you know like an actual phase one back, uh, it doesn't it gives you um you're gonna notice a lot more like chromatic aberration and things that you know aren't aren't intended mm. well yeah i guess uh if, if but, the but for good, the most right? part you're right because so, i i do have some vintage lenses that i i use on uh you know the camera bodies i do have but that you do run into some problems with that so isn't chromatic aberration still a if you make a positive lens, normal positive lens today, you still have that problem. I mean, light didn't. Sl- it's well, still you particularly have speeds, it if right? you take if you take a lens that wasn't intended for the body. Even if you have a you know an adapter for the mount, uh, I have I've found that an, to be the case with a lot of these you know, like really cool lens. You throw it on an old thirty five millimeter body, it's going to work a lot better. You put it on a new one. You're going to notice some details like that, but sometimes the focus they're point happy is mistakes. Right? What's that? Because the there focus is, point is different, right? Yeah, you, you can't trust the, the distance uh, measurement on the lens when you're, you're throwing it on an adapter like that. Um, and, you know, some I have a lens in particular. It's a Pentax Super Takumar 50mm f1.4 lens, and it is one of the sharpest ones I have. <laughs> But if I throw it on a, a, a Canon EF mount body, if I focus further than 12 feet, the rear element of the glass will hit the uh, the mirror when it goes up. So, you know, it's a great, great portrait lens, but if you wanted to focus on something across the street, uh, you run into this problem of potentially shattering the mirror. Huh. But now there's mirrorless cameras, so who cares? Mirrorless cameras. We got. We're gonna have lensless cameras, mirrorless yeah. cameras. Yeah, no, nothing. You, soon enough, you'll you'll have a cameraless camera. You yeah. let them go long enough. Uh, oh, though, I'm sure they're working on cyber eyes. Yeah. Hold on, we're not finished yet. Oh, what do we have to do? Remember? Yeah, we gotta we gotta go through our we gotta <laughs> go our, through our boosts. Oh well, Boost. uh, let's go through it then. Yeah. So. Let's see, we already had that one because that was Boobery as our uh, exec producer. Okay, so I'm seeing here we got two boosts of $9.99 each from Boobery. The first one, Spam Boost. And the second one, Monkey, put down the boost. Monkey, no. Don't throw that boost, monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those monkeys. Oh, those monkeys, yeah. Uh, we got a we got uh, three from Cotton Gin, two with messages and one without. Here's your cue to boost. 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 Don't tell me what to do. And then one without. We got another five thousand sats from Sir Oma, Boop. who said a rare boost. Boost. And finally, we got one of. Three, 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 three sets from none other than the Wolf of Kansas City, Sir Spencer himself, saying, Boosting to derail! Woo. Love y'all, have a pew from the wolf. Boost. A pew from the wolf. So who's our uh, who's our executive producer today? Is that still Boobery? 
That's still boobery, yeah, yeah, because executive producers decided before the show starts. Alrighty. You then. gotta you gotta be in you gotta be in before the show starts for that, and even even then nobody tops is ninety-nine ninety-nine. Nine or nine or That is a boobs number for you. Alright. That is. That's the last of the business, right? Yep. This podcast brought to you by boobs. This podcast brought to you by boobs. They're great. Yeah. And until next time. I love boobs. I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. This is Tom Starkweather. Now stay fruity, boys. Adios. And suck. I had a good woman. But she laid down, honey, and died. Oh, I had a good woman. But she laid down and died. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't sad?